Everybody wants to be on top of the mountain. The problem nowadays is people want to get dropped off at the top of the hill and look down. It's that I overcome mindset that makes all the difference. See, the way we're taught is you're going to claw, you're going to scratch, you're going to bite, you're going to dig, you're going to do whatever it takes to get to the top of that mountain. That unequivocally is how I have managed to keep myself moving forward and finding success. Two seals, one mission. The JR Overcome Show. Welcome back to the JR Overcome Show. This is episode 10. We are rolling into 2019. Ray, what's up, man? You you seem a little uh you seem a little angrier and more intense than normal. What's going on? I'll tell you what's wrong, sir. What's the date of today? Today is uh January 17th. Yeah, man. we are 17 days into this new year, crushing it. 17 days in the new year. 2019 is gonna be my new year. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of everybody making these New Year's resolutions. You need to make, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. I believe in a better you. I believe in getting to the damn gym and staying in the gym. Me and you were at the gym the beginning of the month. You couldn't even get, it was like going to a Leonard Skinner concert. You couldn't even Dude, get a I've seat. I've never seen the gym like that. There were like 10,000 people in the gym. I'm there today and, and it's fucking. And, and they were just standing around. It's fucking crickets. It's crickets today. Now people are back. Back down to, you know, hey, I lived off this this fabricated high that it's going to be my year and it's going to be my time. And 17 days later, it's me and you back in the gym with the dog and the same old people that we see that are crushing it every day. And my point and why I'm so pissed so off what is- So what are you saying here? I'm saying that people, if you want to be the best you, you can be. I'm tired of hearing this 2190 bullshit. I'm tired of hearing that tomorrow's a new start. Make the change now. If you Ray, want Ray, to- Ray, are you smashing New Year's resolutions? Are we Ray smashing right now? Ray is smashing. I'm telling you, New Year's resolutions don't, don't agree. Don't, I don't believe in them. I don't. I believe in having a, a, a daily life resolution. If you want to be better at business, you want to be better at finance, you want to be better at- physical, you want to be better at mental, you want to be better at whatever the hell it is you want to be better at. You have to do it every damn day. That's what I'm going to say. That's why I'm you so what, pissed Ray? off. You know what? You're right. You're right. What? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm actually giving you kudos. So you are, you are right. And you know, here's the thing. Today, we were going to launch into the Pentagon of Peak Performance. We were going to get into this journey on the, on those five key areas that you got to step into to find performance. But I tell you what, Ray, I think you're absolutely right, man. Everybody talks about, oh, I want to make a new me. I'm going to start these New Year's resolutions. Just like you said, it's a ghost town in the gym again because people don't follow through. People talk about they want to change, but it's all talk. They don't take the action and the discipline. I think we're about to kick off a new series. Shit's about to get real. Shit is about to get real. It's about to get real. So basically, we're going to be focused on instead. I'm going I'm to change this up. And what we want to talk about is a culture of success. I love it. We're going to do a max flex. Uh, dude, I'm, I'm going to flex the shit out of uh, this, this Schmedium shirt I'm wearing. It's going to be it. amazing. Do it. It's amazing. Give it Listen, to him. I, dude, I bought this shirt at Oshkosh, but gosh, it fits me like a glove. But what we're going to be talking about is this culture of success, this idea that individuals that live their lives day in and day out at the highest level, that truly is what the epitome of, the, of peak performance is. And uh, we are absolutely honored to be kicking this off, this culture of success, to have this amazing guest, someone that Ray and I had the honor, the oh honor God. of meeting amazing. at the end of December at an event down in Miami. 
I, 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 I got to tell you guys about this individual. One, the JR Overcome Show is about those individuals who are about overcoming and leading themselves to success. This guy is the epitome of this. His family came from Armenia, and as a young man, he grew up, all five of his family members living in a one-bedroom apartment, grinding it out day in and day out, just making it. And his family showed him what a work ethic is to just find a job and to make it for yourself. And as he grew up, he started to learn all these different lessons that we're going to be talking about today. But let me, let me introduce you to Mr. Bedros Koulian. His company, Fit Body Bootcamp, has been listed twice on the Entrepreneur 500 fastest growing franchise. They were ranked, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Number 122 of the fastest growing franchise in Entrepreneur Magazine. They have been listed four times on 5000 Inc. fastest growing privately owned companies. This is an individual who is pushing for a culture of success. He is the best-selling author of I got to tell you, I am I am just crushing books right now in 2019 because I am hungry, man. I am a I'm a young entrepreneur trying to get better to grow my business. You and I both are working at this. He is a best-selling author of, what's the name of this book? Man Up. Man Up, baby. And I got to tell you, this is my new go-to book. I have been telling everybody about this book in business. He is a speaker, business consultant. He created Fit Body Boot Camp. And we're going to be talking about how that came to be because really it became an extension of a problem. He encountered a problem and he solved it through the creation of this business. And then he figured out how to grow it using some as the fastest growing franchise. From there, he didn't stop. He didn't just settle like so many people because a culture of success is always pushing to be better. He uh, is investing in companies all over the place from subscription, software platforms, digital ad agencies. And I got to tell you one thing, and this is where Ray and I are super blessed. Ray actually went out there and spent some time with him. He is willing to mentor us. And today, I got to tell you, all of you that are listening, you are in for a treat because he is described as the hidden genius that entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, and thought leaders turn to when they want to create high-level mastermind and coaching programs, quickly scale their businesses, and solve their most pressing bottlenecks so that they can dive forward and make what? Massive success. That is what this is about. Making money, being better, being better, better able to take care of your family, your finances, everything. So... I got to tell you, we're making the switch. We're talking about culture success. And today I'm introducing the man, the myth, the immigrant edge, Mr. <laughs> Pedros Koulian. What's going on? Thank you so much, man. Ray, Jay, that was one hell of an introduction. Appreciate you guys. And by the way, I know I've said this before when we met, but I want to say it again publicly. Thank you for your service to our country. Absolutely. Thank you, Bedros. Man, it, it is awesome to have you on. Uh, we're really excited. A lot of people are going to get big things out of this show today. And Bedros, we're going to kick things off. We always start off each show with a word of the day. Every show is built around this word. And uh, we're going with the word that uh, you may have a little familiarity, but the word of the day is uh, man up. And uh, Ray, would you do me the honor and give us the definition of man up for our listening audience? <laughs> Not on your life. Not today. What? Actually, I would like to pass the honor over to the man himself, 
Mr. Coolian, and could you please give us your definition of man up? Who better than you, sir? Oh, you better sit Absolutely. down out there. And in fact, I appreciate that. And the only definition of man up is this, because man up is not gender specific. It is human specific. And man up stands for stop making excuses, take control of your situation in life and rise to your fullest potential. And I had to say that to myself, man up, Pedros, at a time when I was financially broke, emotionally broke, and ready to throw in the towel. And for anyone, anyone who's in that position, either financially, emotionally, in relationship, and business, maybe, just maybe you must man up and stop making excuses, take control of your situation, and rise to your potential. And Pedros, I'm willing to bet right now, Ray and I meet so many people that are out there, you're coaching people, Ray and I have started getting into coaching. There's millions and millions of people that are in this situation right now, and they are so hungry to get better, and they don't know the answers. They don't know how to man up. So today, that's really what we want to get into. What made you into the man you are today? And and this book, Man Up, which is the title of your best-selling book, and and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about this for one second before we jump into this. I got to tell you guys. I uh, retired from the Navy five years ago and ran my nonprofit. I started it before I got out. And, you know, we made a lot of mistakes in how I ran it. And, uh, and I own all of them, man. I own all of them. How we managed things, how I did things, how I led, how we organized. And definitely, uh, I look back and there's a lot of things we could have done better. Your book, for anyone that has ever run a business, this book just screamed to me. There was so much. Every single chapter I went through, I was like, God. Man, I was doing that, or I could have done this better. And what I love about the book is you literally own every aspect of it. You talk about all the mistakes you made. You're not afraid to discuss any of the the negativities that come with business and the mistakes we all make as we're going through. Not only do you write about the mistakes, but then you write about how you literally manned up and changed things and started to become the success that you are today. So Ray, you just got back from spending time with him. I mean, tell tell everybody about that. Yeah, um, guys, first of all, again, B, thank you so much. Uh, I was honored enough. Uh, B set some time. I call him B now. Um, you know, we we hung out, we met, and what he did was is he brought me in to his facility, his headquarters, after we oh, I had a two-day uh, shoulder and leg smash workout, but that was that's extra. You got to pay extra for that. And what he did was, is he sat me down and he worked through everything. It was a process, you know, from me doing my presentations to me starting my social media platforms to me starting my online coaching. And what was so amazing about it is, you know, he gets on me and you get on me. I say, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm hard, I'm hard like a rock, but I'm, but I, I'm dumb. I always say that. And people are like, no, you're not dumb. The thing is, is I just didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I've come to terms with that. And what's so amazing is he sat me down for about four or five hours. And I swear to God, I was mentally exhausted. I had to re and I recorded everything and I've been listening to it ever since, but he puts it in, he, he, he puts the material out to a way that I can relate, you know, your way and my way might not be different, but every time he went through something, what was so amazing, a guy at this caliber, you know, if I didn't understand something, he'd look at me and go, Hey, you got a question? Yeah, I got a question. He'd be like, good ask me. And every fucking question, yeah, I'm cussing, that I had, he answered for me. And it was the first time that I've really went to something where I left. Now, granted, I still am going to have questions and I can ask him, but it wasn't, it wasn't blurry. You know, I knew what the hell to do. I, I, I have goals now and 
you know, the one thing I got to talk about this, this is the one thing I've already talked to you about. You know, we talk about trying to get, and I don't, you know, give too much of the secret out, building up my, my followers on email. And he gave me some tips and in a day and a half, I have almost tripled the swear to God, I'm not making this up, almost tripled my email subscribers. Yes. And I have done nothing except what he told me to. It, it, got, it's amazing. I got, I got to admit, I'm a little aroused right now. Is that I, wrong? I mean, <laughs> I mean, triple. I mean, now you're speaking my language. We're making, we're well, making things happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, we the very low table. <laughs> it's a very small table. But, uh, Bedros, I want to go back. Let's go back to the beginning because you did not get to where you are today by chance. You know, your story is amazing, and that's what I love. Everybody out there has a story on where they started. And what the, the amazing thing about everybody's story is there are some people who are victims of their story, and there are some people who are victors of their story. And you could have been at that turning point with, with the background you have. So tell us a little bit how you ended up here in America uh, and how you became the man you are today. And in my opinion, I love this because – you are the American dream. It is exactly what I fought for. You know, freedom, hope, and opportunity is what I know Ray and I believed in and what I fought for. My mom is an immigrant that came here and made the most of it. And I love seeing individuals. I think there's so many Americans out there that waste the opportunities they have in this country. And you came here and made the most of it. So tell people about it. I know it's going to fire people up like it did me. Sure, man. So, you know, I always tell people that I'm the immigrant edge and I'm the American dream. And what I mean by that is having come from a communist country like Armenia that was under Soviet Union rule, my dad was a member of the Communist Party. And when you're part of that 18% of the population where you're part of the Communist Party, like you have a better lifestyle. Like I think I was telling Ray in Armenia, I remember in the mornings I would have bread, butter, caviar with hot tea. That was my breakfast, caviar with bread and butter. Then we come to the United States. My dad decides that even though he's a member of the Communist Party, even though we have it good there, he still realized that there's freedom and opportunities that he doesn't have that only exist in the United States. And when all these people talk so much shit about the United States, those are the same people who are trying to cross into those borders. And every single talk that I do, and you guys remember there, even in Miami and even on a podcast like this, my dad demands that I say that we entered the United States legally. So we escaped from the Soviet Union into Italy. We went to the American consulate in Italy, and my dad said, hey, I'm a member of the Communist Party. We want to immigrate to the United States. I'll share any information you want about the Soviet Union and we wanna enter legally. 11 days later, our paperwork was done and we flew into JFK from JFK into California because my dad knew one person, a friend of a friend, who was willing to lend his apartment to us. And basically he had a two bedroom apartment and he gave us, me, my brother, my sister, my mom and dad, a family of five, a one bedroom apartment to sleep in for 30 days. And uh, we all slept in that one bedroom. We were very grateful. The man didn't charge us any rent and it wasn't like he had much anyway. By day number two that we were there, my dad had a paper route. By day number three, he had a paper route and was pumping gas. By day number four or five, he had a paper route pumping gas and was also a busboy at a pizzeria. How old were you at this point? Good question. I was six years old when we came and the year was 1980. Okay. And yeah, I'm glad you asked that. And so my brother's older than me, 14 years older. My six sister's 16 years older. And truth be told, I'm the oops baby. And so that's why I'm so much younger. And so everyone in the family has all these jobs to make ends meet. And the only goal was to raise enough money in that first month for us to move out of this gentleman's apartment. 
So while the rest of the family was making money for us to move out, I became the breadwinner because my dad discovered this giant dumpster behind a grocery store called Alpha Beta. And Alpha Beta was near a typical grocery store. And of course, anytime there's food that's expired, they have to throw it away. And my dad realized that just because it's expired doesn't mean it's gone bad. Being the smallest one in the family, he would lift me up into the dumpster and I would pick out the foods that were expired, milk, cheese, bread, et cetera, vegetables. And yeah, maybe they had a little mold. And so my mom would pick off the mold and we would eat it. So I became the breadwinner while all the other money that was made went towards rent. But having I, gone through I, I that- bet your, uh, I bet your immune system's a lot stronger. Basically, you guys were just cramming in the penicillin. Right from yeah. the beginning, you were like, dude, I'm good. I got this rock hard immune system. Dude, I'll tell you what's crazy, Jay, is uh, till this day when, you know, as a family, we go out and eat something. My and let's say it's it's gone bad or whatever. And if my wife and kids have diarrhea and they're throwing up, I just get a little indigestion and I'm good. You know, strong <laughs> so like bull, strong yeah, like exactly. bull. I love it. Yeah, iron yeah. stomach. I've got the immigrant immune system. I love it. But uh, man, I got to tell you, all of that ad- adversity that I experienced in life as a child, I was able to harden up as an entrepreneur. And while I was able to harden up as an entrepreneur, I didn't have the self-discipline and the leadership to run a team. So I was a hard worker personally, but where my business started to fail, and that's what I talk about in that book, Man Up, is over the years, I, I wasn't the best student, I barely made it out of high school, I got into a lot of fights, and so you know I was uh, three elementary schools, two junior highs, two high schools. I was the guy that was involved in a police helicopter chase, and I was the guy in the getaway car trying to get away. You can't get away from the cops, as it turns out. And lo and behold, all I ever wanted to do was be a personal trainer because fitness changed my life. Like in high school, I knew prom was coming up. So I asked a friend of mine, I said, hey, can you take me to the school gym and teach me how to work out? His name is Dave and Dave uh, took me to the gym and that summer before senior year, guys, man, I was jacked. I lost like 35 pounds of fat. You know, when you're a teenager, you got all that testosterone going. And I come back and my plan was to ask Nakaya to the prom. And of course, I never had the balls to ask Nakaya to the prom, but man, did I look great. And so once I graduated high school, I said, all I want to do is be a personal trainer. That's kind of how my path started, but it was a very bumpy path. And, uh, you know, we can certainly go through, go into it if you want. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things. Uh, I know Ray had a story he wanted to ask you about. And one of the things I wanted to ask was, what do you think made the difference? Was it something that ticked inside you that, that truly made you, that truly made you make that turn? Because there's a, I mean, for every story like yours of some young kid that did not have those opportunities and had to grind through and figure it out. And he took another path, man. He chose to join a gang or he chose a life of crime as opposed to you who chose this different route. What do you think it was inside you that made you go this way that now, cause I mean, you're this shiny, you, you have millionaires and even some billionaires who you are coaching. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what it was. It's two things. One, I saw my father as an example that he was willing to do anything and everything for his family. He risked his life to get us to come to the United States. He wasn't going to benefit from it at 45, not as much as we were as his kids. Number two, I didn't want to let him down, obviously. And number two was that I think just genetically, I'm cut from the cloth of service. Like I want to serve people. I want to help. I want to give. And so, you know, 
Ray, Ray told me about a product and he goes, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm not in the product industry. I'm in the service industry. Like, I want to know that the thing I'm doing for you or giving you or teaching you is going to transform your life or your health or your marriage or your business in some way. Like, that's what gets me off. And that's why I created the Fit Body Bootcamp franchise and my coaching businesses, et cetera. That's why I became a personal trainer, to wake up at three in the morning, to train my first client at five in the morning, who shows up reluctantly with bad breath, morning breath, and complains the whole time, but I'm there motivating them, inspiring them. And you guys know that personal trainers don't get paid much. I just wanted to serve. But as I, as I didn't want to let my dad down and as I wanted to serve people, I was fortunate enough where one of my personal training clients, his name is Jim Franco. And one day he goes, you know, all you do is complain about having a side job. Cause I was a personal trainer at LA fitness. I had 10, 15 clients and I, I was a fry cook at Disneyland and a bouncer at a gay bar. And Ray, before you say anything, I was, <laughs> I was just about to. Wait, wait, wait. I, I was just I about thought, to. Wait, 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 wait. I thought that's how you and Ray met originally. Oh, wait a minute. Well, my bad. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I wasn't supposed to bring that story up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You had me at gay bar. <laughs> but uh, tr truthfully, the gay bar paid more than the straight bar. And I found out on the second night that I was working there why it paid more, the bouncers. And uh, skinheads would come at, at the end of the night when the club would give out to gay bash. And it was our job as bouncers to make sure all the patrons made it out to their cars without anyone getting their face and, and, and head and body bashed in because, well, that wouldn't make good for business. And so while I'm a big guy, I've got the gift of gab and I can talk my way out of any problems. And I left fighting in high school a long time ago. So I found myself fighting again in my 20s just because I needed a side job. So Jim Franco, my personal training client goes, kid, if you just knew how to sell, you wouldn't have to work these two side jobs that you complained about. And so he was kind enough to, again, you know, talk about having a mentor. I realized now he was mentoring me. He showed up the next day with a, with a cassette tape from Tom Hopkins. The guy did like real estate sales. And of course, in real estate sales, I realized, well, that's, that's not personal training. How's this going to help me? He said, it's sales training. Listen to it. So Tom Hopkins leads to Brian Tracy, then Tony Robbins and Dan Kennedy. Lo and behold, he teaches me selling and marketing like no one else would have ever taught me. And I was able to finally open up my own gyms. And that's really how my entrepreneurial career began. You know, what, what I'm hearing is I'm hearing a kid who is who's come from nothing and has built his way up and why we, I think we get along so well is cause I can, I the story relates to me and I think it can relate to a lot of people because like Jay said, you know, as you were coming, growing up, you were, you're dealing with all these things and we're going to, there's a story I want you to talk about um, how resourceful your family, your mother and your father were mm. with things, you know, there's, and we're going to get to this. I want you to talk about the life story. I'm not trying to put yeah. you on, but what I see is and why this resonates with me so well is you could have went a whole different avenue. You know, you could have given up and been pissed off and taken trouble. But like I said, like Jason said, something made you, you know, your father inspired you so much. And what I love about you is you haven't forgot where you come from. You know, I just spent time with you and you're such a genuine fucking person. You know, like I will ask you a question and you'll yes or no. It's not like you don't talk above people. You don't talk below people. You know, later on we'll get in the charities and stuff, but what I love is the stories in the book of, and I know this sounds fucking horrible, but how you suffered because it seems like you're like me. The more that you suffered, the more that you wanted to do to give back to the community, not just your, your family, but everybody, because you're known for giving. So what I want you guys, or what I would like you to do, sir, is talk about the story when you were a child, uh, the yeah. life story in the book, because I don't know what it was, but I just, 
when I was reading it, I could see it. And I was like, Jesus, holy God. So if you would. Yeah. So, so imagine this, the, uh, the great state of California decided to give us section eight housing. We applied for section eight housing and we were awarded section eight housing for your listeners who don't know what section eight housing is. It's government assisted housing and it's in some of the crappiest apartments and parts of the community ever. But you know what? We were okay with that because the rent is subsidized. And so my parents knew that we could at least have a place to live. Now, when you're living in a crappy place like that, and by this point we were a year and a half into being in the United States, I was uh, seven and a half years old, and one of the apartments that we lived in was filthy. I mean, cockroaches, lice, and ultimately, I got lice in my hair. Now, again, remember, we're foreigners, we're immigrants, my parents are working under the table, trying to just do anything and everything they can, so we didn't have a lot of money. Now, my mom knew that her child has lice, and we gotta get rid of the lice, but we couldn't afford the lice treatment because that money can go towards another more important bill. So she had my dad siphon out gasoline from a parked car in the apartment complex, and she had me double over just on the little grassy patch in front of all the apartments, and she said, close your eyes, and I did. You know, you trust your mom, and she washed my hair with gasoline. And that was one of the first lessons I learned which was in life, when you don't have the resources, you can't just stop, you must get resourceful. Fast forward 20 some odd years, I started using the idea of being resourceful in my business, in my life, because up until then, I would, well, I don't have the money, so I guess I gotta stop. I don't have the connection, so I guess I gotta stop. So to me, that was one of the best lessons is when a mom takes care of her kid, in any way she can. She washed my hair with gasoline, the lice died. I'm still here, everything's fine. Maybe a little brain dead, but everything's fine. And so ultimately that's the lesson of resourcefulness and being resilient. And I think you can use that across every avenue of life. The true definition of adapt and overcome, that's what your mother was doing. She was adapting to whatever situation that you guys had to encounter and she found a way to overcome it. And I think that's such a good message for anybody that's listening out there. I mean, so many... So many people are struggling. I mean, I just want to overcome. We want to find success. And it is about exactly like Ray was talking about, what your mom taught you that you later took to your business. So those of you that are out there and you're thinking, I can't do this or I can't do that. I love the fact that, and I watch some of your other uh, uh, YouTube videos that are out there and you're like, listen, you're telling me you don't have this, you don't have that. Guess what? You have a phone. You can do this and you can do that. There's all these free options. I want to get into business because that is really where you have grown and really you are on fire, setting the example, motivating, inspiring other people. And you talk about resourcefulness. So we'll go back to you talking about training. And I know that you were starting to grow and uh, and the the economy started to decline, which Mm -hmm. led you to have the idea for Fit Body Bootcamp, that is totally adapting and becoming resourceful. How did that transpire? And how did you come up with those thoughts? Because not everybody thinks that way. And and I think it's really important for you to talk about that thought process, how that expanded. Because, I mean, you've got, what, 2,500 locations now, although there was a journey to get there, and we're going to go to that. But I want to well, hear how it- that initial plan uh, uh, basically germinated in your head and you turn yeah, it into and, action. And, 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 I, and I have to just correct you there, Jay. We have seven, yeah, we have, uh, we're coming on to 800 locations now. Our goal is to have 2,500 locations by the year 2023. We're bringing on board about 20 locations a month, so we will get there. Speed wheel, speed wheel, sir. Speed hey, wheel. man. Speed wheel, I love that. I'm, I'm a prophet. I'm just speaking the truth that's going to happen. That's all there <laughs> is, it. man. 
<laughs> I love it. But but you're absolutely right. So at that time, so pre-2008, so let me just paint the picture there where I said, Jim Franco, my mentor, you know, helped me understand sales and marketing. And ultimately, I ended up quitting my two side jobs, ended up opening up my own gym in San Diego called Premier Results, a tiny little 2,000 square foot personal training studio. I had a couple of personal trainers working for me, and I was my own boss. And I thought at that point that I was an entrepreneur. As it turns out, I was just a business owner. Instead of having a job, I owned a job, but it was better than having a job. And it was the next step to becoming an entrepreneur. And so in that time, of course, over time, I started to open up a couple more locations. And before you know it, I have five personal training studios in San Diego, and I'm thriving and everything's great. Well, you fast forward, I get married in 2005. We have a couple of kids in 2006 and seven or 2005 and 2007, and by 2008, the economy crashes. And at this point, I'm not only running my, my businesses, but I'm also coaching and consulting personal trainers. And remember, my business at the time was one-on-one -on -one personal training, because when the economy is thriving, everyone's got the money to afford a $600 or $800 a month personal trainer. Dude, now the economy crashes, homes are just evacuated, everyone's getting fired, unemployment is at an all-time high, and no one is affording one-on-one -on -one personal training. And so I realized in that moment, like, holy crap, I'm not just fending for myself anymore. I've got a wife, I've got a house, I've got two kids, and personal trainers are not doing coaching or consulting with me anymore because they don't have any more clients and so they're not spending their money with me. So in 2008, while everyone else was recoiling, I realized that there's an opportunity for me to expand. So sometimes the idea of suffering, going back to suffering, as Ray said, and I didn't wanna suffer in my mom and dad's house because I knew that if I stayed the course of we're gonna try and keep doing one-on-one -on -one personal training, that I would end up having to sell my house or lose my house and my wife and kids would have to, we'd all have to move into my mom and dad's and I didn't wanna suffer like that. So I knew there was these outdoor boot camps happening. You've probably seen them happening in the park or at the beach, but in the personal training fitness world, that was kind of our, our redheaded stepchild, if you will. It was one of those things where it's a side gig. I make my main money doing one-on-one -on -one personal training. On the side, I do group personal training or boot camps. Well, I realized, what if we took those outdoor boot camps and made them weatherproof so we can do them all across the country, bring it indoors, and make it a legitimate business? And so can in 2009- Gene Pedros, can I, can I point yes, something out here? Because this is a really big thing. You did not think small. There's a key word you said in there. How can I do this across the nation. That's yeah. such a pivotal point because you didn't say, how can I do this in San Diego? Like immediately you thought, wow, I have an opportunity here that could apply all across the nation. And now you're even looking at other countries. So, so I'm sorry. I just wanted yeah. to point that out, you know, yeah, for ideas, think big. And you know what I've learned since then, by the way, it takes the same amount of mental and physical energy to deploy a small idea as it does a big idea. It really does, so why not think big, right? And so ultimately, in 2009, I opened up the first Fit Body Bootcamp in Costa Mesa, California, right out here. Um, that was our kind of test guinea pig. By 2010, opened up a second and third one, and by 2011, we were an official franchise and we started selling locations. Now, the whole idea was, instead of 600 to $800 a month that Mrs. Jones would be paying to work one-on-one -on -one with the personal trainer, now they're under a roof, they're working out as a group, and each client is paying 150 bucks a month, and it's one-on-many instead of one-on-one. -on -one. So the personal trainer gets to make money again. The clients who couldn't afford one-on-one -on -one personal training can now work with a coach who's certified and can deliver the results. 
And before you know it, this thing took off. But that's where the pain in my life set in. Because remember, I went from a job owner, because as I started to grow the franchise, we had about 70 to 90 locations, I started to hire more employees. When I had two employees, it was fine. Communication was okay. But as we grew to four, six, eight, 10 employees, dude, we started having a communication breakdown. Now, of course, I blamed my employees. And in fact, I remember thinking, well, it's easy to find one or two good employees. It's difficult to find 10 or 12 really good employees. And obviously, the other eight of these, they're idiots. They're assholes. They don't understand. They're not aligned with my vision. And then I started to blame my franchisees. Well, my franchisees just don't get it because we weren't servicing them. So the franchisees were complaining to me. And now I'm blaming my franchisees. Now, of course, the franchisees started leaving in 2000, late 2011, 2012, 2013. We are losing more franchise locations than gaining each month, guys. And I'm taking money out of the house that we don't have. And my wife now is starting to get on my case. And now I begin to hate my wife. So I hate my employees. I hate my franchisees. I hate my wife. And I use the word hate and not just dislike because that's where I was. I was so stressed. I was drinking NyQuil every night and taking Vicodin. I had torn, torn my ACL and I had gotten an ACL reconstruction, but I didn't use the Vicodin then. I've got a high pain tolerance. I started doing Vicodin and NyQuil every night to sleep and then Adderall and pre-workout in the mornings to, to wake up and kick that foggy headedness. Bedros, can I, I, I want to bring up a quick point here because it's something that I'm actually on my, on my second book. It is specifically targeting, uh, individuals in this situation. And, and I think right now all across America, there, there reaches a time I felt this Ray. I don't know if you felt it, but I know all across America right now, hell across the world, there is a group of individuals between the ages of I would say 30 and 50. And we reach a point where we move out of the individual leadership responsibility and you start to move into some sort of manager level, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're working a company, this also tends to coincide with the time that we have kids. So now we have the additional stress of kids. We have the additional stress of we typically we own a house at this point. So we're trying to make payments on house, multiple cars, we're managing all these different things. And what tends to happen is we start self-medicating. We start drinking to deal with the stress. We stop working out and taking care of ourselves. And we're just utterly overwhelmed. This is something that I call that life ambush point where people start to sit on the X and they're not, they're, they're, oh, they're not moving. They're looking to blame other people. They're trying to figure things out. And it sounds to me like not only were you there, I guarantee there are thousands and thousands, well, millions of people out there, the millions of listeners I'm prophetically saying <laughs> for this show who are going, dude, that's me. And, and, and Jay, let me tell you something here. When you did that talk in Miami about, you know, the ambush and sitting on the X, I literally was elbowing Joan. You guys met Joan, my assistant. And I, and I said, Joan, I duct taped myself to the X in 2012 and 13, I duct taped myself to the X and I couldn't figure out why I'm just taking all these grenades and, and frag and uh, hate my wife. And I felt like my wife was attacking me and my franchisees are attacking me and my, and my employees are attacking me. And I can tell you what happens in life with hard chargers, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a soldier, you begin to go inward and you start to suffer in silence. Implode. Yeah, yeah. you implode. You implode. You know, what's funny is I know what you really told Joan. You were telling Joan, God, can we get Ray Cash Care, former Navy SEAL up here to talk because he's so amazing. But, you know, I'm going to shift focus. I had, I had to cool it down. It's funny. You know, there's something that you told me that that's going to last with me. And I want people to hear this from you. 
And I yeah. said, and you know, I, we brought up the book and I said, I, I started talking, I'm going to make it, how do you deal with this and this and this and this and this and this and this? And I said, if you remember, I said, I want to ask you the million dollar question. And you looked at me and you said, shoot. I said, how do you find balance? And do you yeah. remember what you said? I did. I said, there is no such there thing as balance. There is no such thing as balance. No. And can it's you expand mix. on that? Yeah. Expand yeah. on that because that, that hit me and I, I'm trying to take that with me everywhere I go because I'm talking to people right now and they're always like, I got to find the balance. And I say exactly what you're getting ready to say. I stole it. Go. Yeah. Listen, man, you guys, you guys are, 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 are Navy SEALs, former Navy SEALs. And, and there is no balance in the life of a Navy SEAL. When your wife and kids are on board, it's a, it's a work-life mix. They're part of the battle as well. And if you're an entrepreneur, which you guys are now, guess what? There's no entrepreneurial balance. That's bullshit. It's a crock of shit. You're at war. It's just instead of bleeding blood, you bleed money. And ultimately, you end up considering bleeding by taking your own life. That's what happens with some entrepreneurs that are suffering in silence. And so there is no work-life balance. It's a work-life mix. My family has to be on board with what I'm doing because if they're not, it's the fastest way to end it all. Well, Bedros, and that is what led you to this, this crossroads where you literally were sitting on the X and you hit a point. And, and, and I've hit that point. Uh, it, it was the point that made me turn and try and suddenly go down this road of figuring out my life after being out of the military. And I know so many military members that are out there that feel the same way. How the hell do I navigate you know, the business side of the civilian world? You hit that point and literally it was the impetus for this whole idea of man up. You have a chapter that's getting your shit straight and it literally yeah. was the launch point. Tell, tell us about that because I guarantee there's so many people out there that are going to say, oh my God, that's me right now. Yeah, man. So in that chapter of Man Up uh, called Getting Your Shit Straight, you know, I talk about finally hitting that point of anxiety attack. I had an anxiety attack so big that I thought I was having a heart attack and I thought this was the end. This was the end. And, and for me, it was one of those things where I had to have this conversation with my business partner at the time. And I was so afraid to talk to him. I was such a people pleaser. I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings that the entire time while I'm driving to the office to talk to him, I kept repeating five words to myself over and over again. And it's embarrassing for a grown ass man to say this, but I can only be fully transparent. And those five words were, it's time to man up. It's time to man up. And let me tell you, I wanted to take a detour to Starbucks. I want to turn back around and go home. But the whole time, it's time to man up. Those five words over and over again until I got there and had that conversation and said, look, we need to part ways. You take Fitbody or I'll take Fitbody, but we can't run Fitbody together because we're just going at each other and this isn't going to work. And that was the first time I stopped making excuses for myself and everybody else. I took back control, right, to control my circumstances and started to rise to my potential. And leadership, self-discipline is not a light switch. That was the first of the dimmer switch of self-leadership slowly going up. Over the next three years, I was able to turn my business around and my finances and my relationship and my health. That was the turning point. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, I love how you, you know, you faced your fear, you know, you were, you were having that doubt, you know, wondering, you know, being, wanting to be the people per, uh, pleaser. You just use those five words. You went back to the basics, you know, just like we talk about those fundamental skills, you attacked it and, and right there it was do or die. And you stepped up to the plate. I love Ray, it. Ray, are you getting emotional? <clears throat> I am. I, I, I do get emotional and I'm out of water too. Um, but I do get emotional because I think the reason, again, I told you, and I don't lie, the last book I read 
cover to cover before your book was Black Beauty when I was in like fourth grade. I, sh- I shit uh, you not. Dude, no way. Well, I'm telling you. I don't believe that for cover a second. Cover to cover. It was a pop-up book. Or a comic book. My one point, or the other. My point, and I'm being serious here, is the book. Yeah. And again, I'm not I'm not a seller. I get nothing, which I should get a portion of this for this. But the book relates to anybody who's been struggling or who's getting ready to take that step off, you know. And, and we talked about it, you know. And I brought this up when I, when I spoke to your group. If you want to climb to the top, you can't be scared of heights, you know. And you're not scared of heights. You know, a lot of people, they start to build up and it's, I'm one of them. I started getting out of my comfort zone and starting to do things. And I start stepping back and doubting myself, you know, and we, we talked about that. I'm not scared of heights anymore. You know, I skydive. I'm not scared. I'm ready to get up there and climb. And that's what I love is you were ready to fucking climb and you did it. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, in so many of these books that are out there, I'm reading so many of them. I mean, uh, 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 Eat That Frog, Good to Great, uh, Covey's books, Steve Maxwell, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, all these different books. Uh, most of them take a very academic approach. I mean, there is an experience base to it, but they they come at it with a lot of, they do a lot of research and they blend things. And, and what I love the most about your book, it is 100% experience based. You lay it out there from your own failures and from your own hardships and what you learn grinding through the trenches of adversity. And man, I get that because I can, I read it and I was like, holy shit, I did this too. I could do this. I need to do things better. You know, people want to say, oh, Jay, you know, you're successful in this and that. Man, you know what? Maybe, but I'm not. I always had, the day you stop learning, the day you, all of us can always be better. That's what this show is about, including me. I know it. I, I don't know anything about entrepreneurship and I'm learning. I want to be better. Uh, you guys need to read this book. I'm telling you, all of you, if you have not had that moment yet that's caused you to man up and launch forward, it needs to happen today because every day that goes by, you're one day closer to death. And I tell you what, every day you sit on the X, just like in a real world ambush, you are going to die. It, the bullets are hitting you right now because you are not stepping forward to find success. Bedros got off the X and holy shit, man, you are successful. All those accolades we read at the beginning, you know, Ray and I don't have that yet. We did some of that in war, but we sure haven't achieved it in business, man. You right now, it's you, know, you, you are the Navy SEAL of business. You have gotten well, out there and showed people how to get it done. Let, and let, me, let me tell you this too, by the way, it, it's, it's you guys and your brothers that got me out of the shit. So when, when, I, when I had that man up conversation and conversion, let me explain to you what was happening. The impetus that led me to that first conversation was, see, I'm a big Howard Stern fan. And during that time <laughs> when my business was failing and I hated everybody, including my, my spouse, I just listened to Howard Stern in the car and actively waited for my business to fail. And Howard Stern happened to be interviewing a former Navy SEAL, or maybe he was a retired Navy SEAL because Ray taught me all the different acronyms. I know what an ex-SEAL is, I know what a former SEAL is, I know what a SEAL is, and I know what a retired Navy SEAL is now. But he inter- interviewed a guy named uh, Howard Wasden. And I guess uh, in the 90s, during that Black Hawk Down era, uh, he was there doing Overwatch, right? Yeah, he was so when Howard Stern. Yep. Yeah. When Howard Stern says, hey, go buy this guy's book. I went and bought the book. I figured, what better thing to do than while my company's crumbling around me, than just to read this book of war and entertainment. Yeah, I'd given up, I'm being very honest with you. So as I'm reading Howard Wozniak's book, I start seeing about how he talks about mission clarity and shoot, move, communicate, and being decisive. And of course there was lots of great stories in there, 
and I went and bought the next Navy SEAL book and then the next Navy SEAL book. And for me, it was just a source of entertainment because look, I, I love cowboys and Indians movies. I love war movies. And so I was, it's just my imagination. But one book after another, little did I know is I'm being mentored by guys who have gone to war and I saw the common denominator. Be clear in the mission. Is it a kill? Is it a capture? Is it intelligence? Look, in business, it's not a mission, it's vision clarity. What is the vision for your business? Does your team know what the vision is? What is the deadline to get to that vision? Using the speed wheel. I learned another Navy SEAL term that I will apply to business, the speed wheel. Best case scenario, average, and worst case scenario. Speed, but no matter speed. what, yeah, Ray taught, taught us that. And no matter what, I will achieve the outcome. But if I don't have the vision, then it's like taking a GPS and going, I wanna get there. I put the address of where I wanna go, but I never put where I'm starting from, right? Love it. And, and so, yeah, so, so for me, it, it was the books that I read that finally made me realize that the problem was me, not my wife, not the franchisees, not my employees, me. And that's when I began to start with self-development. I love it. Hey, sir, uh, just so you know, a speed wheel is something that the enlisted man uses when we do navigation above the water and we use a compass. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So it's a knuckle dragger tool. It is pretty oh, much. Right on, right on. No, Got but it. you know, let's, let's, it's let's shift. something the sled dogs use to drive the sleds. Let's shift focus. You know, me and Jay work out together and I'm actually going to give this guy props and because he literally, he loves you. He is a, he's a young entrepreneur and he always, I came back from her thing and he's like, and this is what he said. So I'm just going to ask the question so you can answer it to anybody. What is your advice for young entrepreneurs who want to grow their business? So I don't have to keep pretending I'm you because people know I know you. What would you give young entrepreneurs? What would you say? Simple. Figure out what you want and then model someone who's already been there because success leaves clues. If I want to be one of the best warriors on the planet, I'm going to model you guys. What I can tell you is that because you're an amazing Navy SEAL, it doesn't mean you're gonna make an amazing entrepreneur. I've got one of my coaching clients and he doesn't mind me sharing this. He's a Super Bowl champion, Steve Weatherford. Super Bowl champion, Steve Weatherford, retires from football, becomes an entrepreneur, and all hell breaks loose around him. And he goes, what the fuck is happening? And we start working together and his business takes off now. And let's just say he's close to making seven figures now just after a few years of retiring from football. Because you're a great football player doesn't make you a great entrepreneur. Because I'm a great entrepreneur, does that mean I can kick down a door like you guys and kill the bad guy? I end up shooting my fucking foot off or something unless you train me. Success leaves clues. Get mentoring from those who have done it. I love that. And just so you know, Jay, Steve is on the wall that I signed. You'll see it one day. Don't worry, you'll be behind me, sir. But yeah, it's okay. Um, I love that. I love that. Success leaves clue. I literally... Love it. And I'm going to use that. Thank you. <laughs> you know, one of the, th one of the things, one of my problems, I wonder if Steve has this problem. I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there. I'm really good at working hard, but one of the things I'm starting to realize is I churn a lot of energy without much yeah. forward momentum. And there's a big difference between working hard and then gaining momentum. And that is something that I think, you know, having that clarity, um, knowing where you're going to go, really, it is identifying that destination and setting that course because that's something. But you have to learn that. So, you know, great advice. You know go what, find Jay? someone that can give you those clues. Yeah. Can I? Can I? You nailed it because Steve said the same thing. He's like, Pedros, I played in the Super Bowl ten years in in football. I'm the hardest working guy on the planet. I'm going to become a great entrepreneur. Before you know it, he didn't until we were able to work with him. The point of this is, I did the same thing as a personal trainer. 
I worked so hard to wake up in the morning and refine my craft. I got every certification out there. And I'm not a great test taker, but I figured if I just work hard and get every certification, finally I'll get enough clients to make a good living. As it turns out, like you, I was putting in a lot of effort, but not making forward momentum because what I needed was a Jim Franco, my, my client who ended up mentoring me, to go, you need to sell and market, not get the next certification. That was a difference maker. So it's all about finding the right people, someone, find the right mentor, find somebody. So who you surround yourself with is an amazing part of what we do. And, and you talk about two critical things in your book that I think was phenomenal. Um, one of your stories, and this is something that I've really been focused on, is, is surrounding yourself with positivity. Find people who are positive. Find people who are going to back up what you're doing. When you say, I want to do this, you know, you have friends like Ray and I are working together. Both of us are hungry to be successful, to take care of our families, to achieve our goals that we've set out. And I know I've got some friends that are like, dude, why are you doing that? Why, why do you want to do that? Why don't you just come over here and drink with me tonight? Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know what? That's not really on my agenda. So I, I loved your story that you told in Miami. It was so clear. And you write about yeah. it in your book yeah. about when you got crabs. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah, welcome. You're welcome. Bedros has crabs, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Don't so worry, let me ladies. Tell you about my crab story, the time I had crabs. And actually, this does resonate with a lot of people. I'm glad you're asking. So the year was 2005, and we couldn't afford to go on a cruise if our life depended on it. Thank God for my wife's grandparents who decided to take the whole family on a cruise, and I got to schlep along with them. The cruise took us to Alaska, and in Ketchikan, Alaska, when the cruise ship uh, stopped over there and they let us off, I'm walking along the water, and I see this old fisherman casting out a net and then pulling in some crabs. And he, he's putting these crabs in a five-gallon bucket, but there's no lid on it. And there was probably about I don't know, five to 10 crabs in the bottom of the bucket with some water. Well, this one ambitious crab was crawling on top of all the others and then started reaching up for the rim of the bucket and started to slowly pull himself up. And I'm thinking this crab is going to make a getaway. So I told the old man, I said, hey, sir, you're, you're about to lose one of your crabs. He didn't even bother to turn around to address me. He goes, watch what happens next. And as I'm watching this little ambitious crab lift himself up and out of that bucket, all the other crabs at the bottom of the bucket reach up, grab it by its hind legs, and pull it down. And at this point, I realized that one, crabs are self-policing, but two, I'm hitting my wife now saying, look, I've got crabs in my life. Every time I try and get away, try and do something different, achieve my hopes and dreams and ideas, someone shits on it. Someone says, I can't do it. Someone says, you don't have a degree in that area. What do you know about software? What do you know about franchising? What do you know about anything? You dropped out of college in 31 days, Pedros. Those are all the crabs pulling me down. So I committed that the moment I got home, I was going to eliminate all the crabs out of my life. Now, here's the crazy thing. I didn't text them, call them and say, hey, you're an asshole. Get out of my life. I started, because people always ask me, then what do you do? I slowly started to phase out of their life by being slower to respond to them, saying, no, thank you, I can't hang out this weekend. And I started to hang out with the people that I wanted to be like. Again, success leaves clues. If I wanna be a millionaire so that I can take my millions and do a lot of good for the world, then I've gotta hang out with millionaires. If I wanna soar with the eagles, I can't be walking around with the ducks, right? And that was the big difference maker for me, was to eliminate the crabs out of my life. 
you know, I, I'm, I try and be as transparent as possible as I can. And, uh, I talk a lot about a lot of people say, Oh, Jay, you're so positive. And, and I have that ne- negative demon that lives inside of me. And you and I had this conversation not long ago. Cause I said to yeah. you, will I ever get to the point? I hate that about myself. I hate the fact that the very first thought I have with anything is a negative thought. That little demon that lives inside of me, no matter what I want to do is like, yeah, you're not going to do that. You can't do that. And sometimes it's fuel for my fire. But sometimes it just wears me the fuck out. I'm just like, shut the hell up, man. And uh, and you and I had this conversation and you said, you know what, man, it, it, that you've got to allow that be the fuel. It is if there is light, there has to be darkness. And it is the, the, the darkness that, you know, we pour, we point that light into that we can motivate ourselves through. And that's the same thing with us, that you need that to fuel your fire. And I thought that was such a great analogy. You know, it's the positivity despite the negativity. And I just thought that was a phenomenal point. You know, to, to that point, it's funny. You called it your demon. And when we were texting back and forth before we got on the phone, and I was like, holy shit. And I remember responding back to him like, dude, I call it my monster. And I've been telling my wife, and honestly, I've got a therapist because I'm so fucked up. That's a whole other story about what happened to me as a kid that ended up, you know, really peaking itself uh, in my late 30s and ended up giving me all types of issues. But I call it my monster. And I said, don't let my monster come out because I not only go into self-destruction, I will destroy everybody around me. And that monster is the self-doubt the critical talk, the negative self-talk loop that plays over and over again. And one thing I learned was I need to stop listening to it and start talking to it. In other words, fuck you, I got this, you're not gonna take over, I am. And I now, I've reframed it to myself, Jay. I think about the caveman back in the day. He goes, hey, I'm hungry, I gotta get out of my cave to eat. He doesn't just stroll right out of his cave because he sees an apple hanging off a tree. He knows there's a fucking saber-toothed tiger around the corner. There's fear, there's doubt that he's gonna get to that apple tree before the fucking saber-toothed tiger eats him up. If he didn't have that fear, he wouldn't survive and he wouldn't thrive. And so I love my monster. Me and my therapist spent 16 months trying to get rid of it. Turns out I don't have to get rid of it. I fucking love that motherfucker. Seatbelt in right next to me. He's my passenger. The difference <laughs> is I talk to him and I don't listen to him anymore. I tell him what to do. Which is awesome. And in this day and age, I mean, it's so easy. And that's what people need to do. They need to understand that. And you gave me this clarity because for years I've been trying to destroy him. I'm like, I want to get rid of him. Someday if I achieve this success, he's going to be gone. And you were like, no, man, he's always going to be there. But it's the difference between you controlling him and him and you allowing him to control you. Yes. And, yes. and, and in this day and age of social media, all of us are guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. Ray and I have had talks about this, that we all judge ourselves off other people. I see people on social media, they're posting all these positive things. And, yep. you know, I see other speakers and other people where I'm aspiring. I'm like, God, man, they got that job and I got this job. Maybe maybe I have no business doing this and it's that little demon and it is learning to control him and squashing that negativity and I just thought that was the most awesome story I love it I love it you know what they made a movie about that it's called how to train your dragon that's what you did you trained your dragon you taught it how to work for you ex- instead of against you. We're back to comic books and uh, hey, and black. Booty. I color shit in <laughs> and beauty. it works. You know what? It fucking works. You know, you talked about the fire breathing dragon, and I love that. We're not going to get in that right now, but I love it. But there is something I want to ask you. Um, in the book, you talk about two different types of planes, and I want you to tell me. You know, there's the the what and the what, and yeah. and again, I know what they are, but I want you to tell the people what what they symbolize. And the two the two different types of characteristics that they hold. Can you do that for me? 
Absolutely. In fact, I'm so glad you asked. I think this is probably the second biggest takeaway your audience can take from me is there's only two types of humans on this planet, fighter jets and crop dusters. That's it. You're either a fighter jet or a crop duster. Now, here's the crazy thing. We're all born as fighter jets. And let me tell you the difference. A fighter jet is someone who has vision and mission clarity, has high standards of expectations for themselves and everybody around them, and is disciplined to achieve the outcome. A crop duster is someone who is swimming in the sea of mediocrity, wants to be average and like everybody else, and accepts being subpar. Now, we're all born crop dusters and here's how, or we're all born fighter jets and here's how. See, when you're a kid, you're a baby, you're crying in that crib. You get what you want and the hands come down and they change you or they feed you. And you're curious as a kid, you're running around, you're looking at things, you're doing things and your parents are telling you to slow down, watch out, don't do that, be careful, don't say that. So soon, you start going from a fighter jet who's curious, active, moving around, wanting things, asking for it and not stopping until you get it, soon you start becoming a crop duster. And before you know it, you're neutered, and it's like taking a lion out of the Serengeti, defanging them, declawing them, putting them in a cage, and just throwing meat in there every two hours. That motherfucker's not gonna know how to hunt anymore. So you've gotta go back to being a fighter jet and leave the crop duster ways behind you. And most crabs in your life are crop dusters, by the way. They're not fighter jets. Yeah, Amen. so if you surround, I love that analogy. I think it's amazing. I mean, so if you surround yourself with crop dusters, you will ultimately become a crop duster. You will slow yes. down and operate as one. And, you, and I'm going to cut you off there real quick. And what's funny about the two types of people that there are, there's different types of, 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 uh, fighter jets. You know, I'm, I'm one model, but I'm trying to get up to that stealth mode where you're at. That's how I've actually broken it down even more. Just because I'm a fighter jet, I'm not where I want to be. You know, I want to be that stealth right. pilot. I want to be, you know, you asked me before, where do you want to be in five years? I want to be you. Uh, now I'm not going to emulate you, but you know what? I may be challenging you well, for we're, something. We're we're a ten we're a ten warthogs right now. We're slow and maneuverable, and we kick ass on the battlefield. And but I, I want to be an F. I want to be an F twenty two raptor. And, I love it. And That's when I asked great. Bedros, I told him I want it. You know, instead of Bedros going, "Oh, you'll never do that," he said, "Fucking bring it." I love that. You accept the challenge. Yeah. I love hey, it. Look, make make no mistake about it, man. In five years, if you want to be me and challenge me and take some speaking gigs from me. Don't think that I'm sitting around waiting for you to catch up. In those five <laughs> years, I've got my fucking foot on the afterburners, baby. So step on it, Ray. Uh, Ouch, go, ahead yes, and position, go ahead and position it for the missing man formation. I'll fill in. <laughs> I'm on my way. So uh, I'm going to put some nitrous on this motherfucker. So, yes. hey, uh, I love your story that you told about, you know, I've never been one that has said, oh, my God, I want to be a multimillionaire, this and that. Uh, although I am beginning to understand that that your ability to make money in this day and age also increases your ability to help other people. And I love the story you told about how, you know, you, you had always wanted to give back and you didn't really know where. And one day a friend came to you and said, hey, you know, my daughter's sick and this hospital, the Shriners Hospital helped us. And you did some research and you learned about Shriners Hospital and you said, you know what, man? I want to be the number one giver back to Shriners Hospital. And you went and did some research and you called him and you said, hey, I want to know who your number one contributor is because I'm going to beat his ass. And then they told you and humbled you a little bit. And then you said, that is my goal. I love that your goal on, on being able to make money and help people, you set this amazing goal. So tell people about that because I tell you what, that resonated with me. 
Absolutely. So my friend that, that you're talking about, his name is Jim Saya, and in the 90s, he was fighting the cocaine cartels in Miami. And he was, he was actually in the 90s, he was listed as one of the toughest cops alive. Now his son, not his daughter, had a spinal problem. And being on a cop's salary and divorced, you know, he's not gonna be able to get his son's medical attention covered. And so the Shriners Children's Hospital took care of everything. The surgeries, the, the uh, wheelchairs, as the young man grew older and older, his body changes and you, you need a bigger wheelchair. Those things aren't cheap. And so as he was just telling me this, he wasn't even saying like, hey, donate to them. He was just, we were just talking, having some beers before a UFC fight in Vegas. Um, I'm like, wait, Shriners never heard of him. I go, dude, that's such a touching story. I'm going to start contributing. I don't have a lot of money now. This was way back then. I go, but I'm going to give what I can. And so I got so locked on on giving to Shriners Children's Hospitals and I felt so good about it because I would see the direct outcome that I decided to lock on like I do with everything. And by the way, everybody needs lock on. You gotta get obsessed about shit. Don't just, don't, don't just kind of try something, lock on and say, I'm gonna either die or I'm gonna do it. All and in. so I locked and I, yeah, all in all the time on everything. And so I said, I'm gonna be the number one donator. And so when I called them, of course, reached out, they said, well, the number one donator right now is Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and uh, you got a ways to go. <laughs> but I have, and I publicly say this because I believe when you put it on the universe, then you have to back it up because I don't want to be a hypocrite. And so my goal is to die as the number one donator to Shriners Children's Hospital. But that to me wasn't enough because recently, well, a few years ago, we adopted also um, Compassion International. And we've got 97 kids adopted through Compassion International that we pay for every month. And then we decided, what the hell? Four years ago, we also took on the Marine Corps Toys for Tots and we donate, uh, we're up to now just over half a million dollars donated to Toys for Tots. And, and I do this, and so I am money hungry. I am money driven. And anyone says, it stands around and says, you know, look at that news newscast. Uh, man, someone should help that country. Someone should help those kids. Someone should help those schools. Why don't you fucking help them? Go make money and your money can be used to help them. Don't wait for someone else to stand around and don't be that guy standing around make the money and give some of it away to help. But when people start talking shit, oh, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. The brokest people I know are the most evil and selfish people because they're trying to grab the fucking samples on the way out. The most generous and kind people I know are the wealthy because they give. And so money equals freedom, money equals meaning, money equals opportunity and experiences. And in this life, money lets me buy back my time so I can hang out with my friends like you guys instead of fucking grinding it out in the trenches like I used to. I love it. Nah, yeah, that's I love awesome. It. Yeah, and uh, so Justin Timberlake, I know you're listening to the show because you want to be better even though you've reached that level. You're always hungry for success. I know you're a big fan of the JR Overcome Step it show. up, Timberlake. So listen, Timberlake, you need to reach out to my man, BK, and you guys need to do a joint event for Shriners. I know yes. you both will learn something from each other. So, uh, all right, listen, we are getting close to the end of the show. Uh, we want to wrap things up with our final question. Uh, we, we always like to ask every guest we have on this final question, and then we're going to, we're going to wrap things up with, uh, with our, uh, two minutes of motivation, three minutes today. All right. You ready for the last question, sir? Are you ready? Yes, sir. Are you ready? I'm ready, coach. All right. Yeah. If you could give people three pieces of advice for success, what would they be? Three pieces of advice for success. Uh, number one, find a mentor who has done what you want to accomplish and hire him, work for him, find a way to get his or her influence. That'll be the fastest way to success. Number two, 
Proximity is power. Get around the people that you wanna be like. Don't just follow them on social media. If, if Ray or Jay are having a workshop or speaking at an event, you wanna be more like them, go to the workshop, go to the seminar, sign up, max out your credit. You're gonna fucking max out your credit cards anyway. All of America fucking maxes out their credit cards. Max out your credit cards for Jay and Ray and me because you're gonna get a 10X return on that investment instead of maxing out on bullshit stuff like a vacation that you're gonna go and get fat on and lazy on and then come back and feel bad about it. So number two is proximity is power. Get around people who are powerful. And number three is to have singularity of focus. Where business is concerned, if you're doing the shotgun approach, for example, as Navy SEALs, if I said, guys, tonight you guys have to do six missions, you're like, what the hell, <laughs> right? Yeah. You guys could only accomplish one mission at a time, oh, yeah. singularity of focus. So there's so many people that are attacked by the idea fairy, and the idea fairy goes, hey, you know what? Here's an idea, here's an idea. They got 14 things started and finished nothing. So if they can go singularity of focus, that would be the third thing I would I would suggest. Love it, love it, guys, that is amazing. Um, Petros, why don't you give everybody a shout out and tell them where you can be reached, what you've got going on, and what's Bedros Coolian doing for 2019? And where they can find your Absolutely. book, exactly. where they can Books. book you, coaching. We want to know. People want to know. Justin Timberlake Thanks, wants guys. to call you right now. <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity. So obviously, it's my book, Man Up. My goal is to help 100,000 entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs worldwide so they never have to suffer like I did. So in 2019, my goal is to get this book to 100,000 copies sold. We're just over 22,000. That's thing number one. Thing number two is I want to serve. I want to serve would-be entrepreneurs. So you know what? If you can get around me and let me coach you, mentor you, I appreciate it. And whatever money you give me for it, I promise you, as long as you take action, I'll give you 10X back. And the best way to get free content from me, free mentoring, is to follow me on Instagram or YouTube because I am a content generating machine. And I promise that if you take action on my free stuff, you will make more money than you currently make today. I got nothing on that. That's amazing. <laughs> That's All right. Weird. Well, listen, I, and uh, where did you give them your website? I didn't even hear it. Did you give them oh, my website? Web yeah. 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 Thank you. What would I do without you guys? Manup.com is the website if they want to get the book or they can go to their favorite bookstore or Amazon. But manup.com is the best place to go to learn more about me and what I'm up to. I, I, I will admit I was listening to all that and taking notes. And, you know, you had me you had me at singularity of focus. And I was like, did he even give the website? What's going on here? All right. <laughs> We're going to wrap things up. This has been an amazing show. Uh, let's finish it up with our two minutes of motivation. You want to kick it off, right? Yeah, because I'm not going to be, the fat, all about I'm not going to be the fat kid that goes on after the uh, professional karaoke guy. <laughs> so man up, guys. Listen, two minutes. It's all about taking accountability. It's all about taking responsibility about who you are, who you want to be, and where you've come from. It's about stepping up to the plate. And it's about, like I said, if you want to be on top of the mountain, you can't be scared of heights. You got to take, you got to take chances. You got to take risks. Like Bedro said, invest in yourself. Okay. If you're going to max out the credit card, don't go doing it on booze and chasing ass. Do it on trying to better yourself. Surround yourself with people who impact you, who influence you. All right. And when you're around these people, listen to them. Like I said, I was just out there with Mr. B. Take notes. Okay. Because he's going to give you the tools. He's going to walk you to the water, but you got to figure out what you're going to do with that. Man up. Take control of your destiny. The time is yours now. I can't echo it enough, man. Man up. You got to step up to the plate. And I tell you what, reading Bedros's book just recently, some of you may know, some of you may not. We just 
shut down my nonprofit organization. And I tell you what, I look back at the things that I did and I realized I was not manning up in my own life. I was not stepping up to the plate. I was overextending myself in every area of my life and I couldn't keep up. It was a train wreck. And I realized that it was time to man up. It was time to create focus on where I wanted to go with my family, with my friends, with my financial goals. It was time to, I, I was, I, I, I wasn't even a crop duster or a fighter jet. I was some fucked up piece of, I don't know what the hell I was, but it's time to become that fighter jet. <laughs> I am manning up. We are going forward. You need to be doing the same. For those of you that are out there are like, well, I'm not Ray Karen. I'm not Jason Redmond. I don't have connections to people. Man up and reach out to people. Find them. Get off the couch. Get off your ass. Find someone that you know is better than you. And guess what? All you got to do is walk up to them and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm really interested in what you're doing. Unless someone is just a straight up total dick, they're <laughs> going to say, you know what, man? I was just like you once. And yeah, if you want to learn from me, I'd love to tell you about it. I am going to kick the last motivation to the man himself, Pedros. We need theme music. It. We need theme music. Well, listen, first of all, I don't know how to follow you guys after everything you just said, but I can tell you this, that my my, my dear friend, Tom Bilyeu, who is one of the co-founders of Quest Bar, the Quest Nutrition Company, he wears this shirt and he sa it says, it's all my fault. And I can't tell you how much, if that was a religion, I would join it. It is all <laughs> your fault, folks. Your success, your failures, if you've gained weight, if you've lost weight, if you've lost a relationship, gained it, money, sex, business, it's all your fault. And the moment you accept that, that you have full control, control means you can now control the outcome. But every time, if we keep pointing out, it's someone else's fault, some other thing's fault, that means we don't have control. That means we can't control the outcome. So accept that it's all your fault, and life will become a much better platform for you. I love it, man. What, a, what an amazing show. I mean, talk about manning up. We, we're rolling down this road, a culture of success. So I don't know who our new guests are going to be because uh, I, we're not even going to tell you. It's going to be hard to top this mofo. It's going to be a I surprise. I actually just called Bedros Cooling a mofo, and that was out of respect, sir, but it's going to be tough to top this one. I love you like a brother. Call me whatever you want. All right, our next show is going to be January 31st, and we are going to be continuing to go down the road of the culture of success, interviewing amazing people who who have gotten out there and done it. They are no different than you, our listeners that are out there. They just have created the discipline. They manned up, they led themselves, and they conquered their life, and they are overcoming. It is what it is all about. So we are wrapping this show today. This has been the JR Overcome Show, Episode 10. I am Jason Overcome Redman. And I'm Ray Cashkier. And we are out. Boom. Thanks for listening to the JR Overcome Show. Tune in next time and please remember to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please visit jrovercomeshow.com.